Hello everyone! Before we begin today's episode, I have a little content warning. This episode, and this movie in general, deals pretty heavily with mental illness and perceived mental illness, as well as childhood abuse and neglect. Although Josh and I have both worked in and are personally affected by mental illness, sometimes we're not too PC. So be warned! Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Happy June, Josh! We are recording this in May. The third. Third of May? May's the, yeah, today's May the third. They blend together. They blend together. And where do you think we'll be when this lands in June? Do you dead. think? You think so? Which one? We'll be dead. Me or you? Both? Both of us. Huh. I'm going with you getting coronavirus me and me but i don't leave the house you do <laughs> driving my car to the river oh <laughs> honey <laughs> you know what's crazy is before we get to talking about this movie let's go ahead and well we talk about corona get, get this, out this whole thing is depressing and it not like do you think it's compounded by the fact of the movies we've been watching no, these past few months i don't think so i because do <laughs> that shit doesn't bother me because even the coronavirus itself, that's not what has depressed me. Yeah. It's my fellow countrymen's reactions to this, which yeah. has depressed the shit out of me. Yeah. Like watching a bunch of like self-righteous, whiny babies stomp their feet and be like, it's been a couple of weeks. I'm ready for a haircut. I want some fucking brownies and some beef jerky. Like, I'm Well, the it. flip side of that is if you look at those rallies are not as large as you think. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you notice and, they're also not screaming for, like, fucking libraries and bookstores and well, places of education right. to be opened. But I'm just saying, like, that it's just the loud-ass, and right now, I don't know why the loud-ass wheel's getting the oil, but I guess we're just going to kowtow for a little while. And I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. We'll see. Yeah, it's weird. It's been a hell of a few it's, weeks, man. It's so weird. Like, I'm, like I said, I'm so less depressed by coronavirus than I am by just watching this country react to it yeah aliens could land <laughs> in front of the fucking white house and, and half this country be like that shit's not real that's it's not fake. real it's fake news like fucking stupid it's all right man <laughs> on like the plus side two of our friends this past month like got big licensed things at their work at their jobs and you and i got to spend some awesome quality time together and watch some amazing movies that we wouldn't normally have had. So, I mean, there's that. Yeah, I mean, there's several. There's you and your dog lining. had your first fight. There's a silver lining here for Turnabout. It's just, man, there's some dumb, dumb fucking people out there. Yeah, for, oh, for sure, man. I'm a teacher. I could have told you that years ago. <laughs> okay. Let, let's travel back in time. All right, so what, what are we doing for let's June? Let's forget. Today is... About our troubles right. and woes and let's go pretend back to a time when there were different troubles and woes <laughs> april 12th of 2002 2002 is that what you said yeah june april oh okay because you listen to me when i talk i don't april 12th of 2002 when frailty came out okay what were you doing in 2002 mm-hmm. in april college college my freshman um, year of college? I was assist, I was an assistant music manager at Borders, Books, Music, and Cafe. Remember Borders? 
Yeah, I remember Borders. It's probably my favorite job. It, like, it was a pretty awesome. We had a really good staff, and like we used to hang out afterwards and stuff. That's a tough favorite job. No. <laughs> so, like, that's a really children's home society. That's just, your favorite job? Just for, like, the people I worked with? No, mine was the people I worked with and, like, what we did. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it had its moments. The job was frustrating. Borders was a pretty good uh, company to work for. It was cheap health insurance I'll be honest and with you, if they a lot of perks. Children's Home Study would have paid more. probably would still be there because I was, like, really like the people I worked with. If I knew then when I knew now that the man I was about to marry was not the person I was supposed to be with, I would probably have gone down with the ship with Borders. I loved that job. Okay, we're so boring right now. Let's talk about... No, that's not boring. That's interesting. Frailty. So the reason that we're even doing Frailty and we're talking about this movie and we're taking this time travel trip back to 2002 is... Is? June is the month of fathers. Yes. And we have a unique combo perspective on fathers because (laughs) mine is awesome and I love him very much. And yours is... I don't know. He might be dead from corona. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm not wishing that on him. It's just I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) So we're doing movies this month that all pertain to dads. Okay. And the lead of the movie is a dad. And and being a dad is very integral to the plot of the movie. Kind of like Pumpkin Head last year. Uh, Some of the dads are awesome dads. And some of the dads are... Shitty dads. Opposite of dads. Just just to celebrate our mutual dad experiences. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> but Frailty's our first movie. I wanted to start with something that's, it's it's horror, but it's also a thriller, and it's also a mystery, and... It's a little easier to take in. This movie is super fucking unappreciated. I don't understand why I've this never heard movie of it. is not... I thought it was from the 80s. Baker? This is a movie Who's that James Cameron, Sam Raimi, and Stephen King all said, why aren't people watching this movie? This movie's great. Okay. And no one... It just no one was watching it. and it went and it never got like a really good and the, home video release like it's just looking back is there any reason i think it just was it just like oh bad coming PR, out or the it, bad it, company it or a horror movie coming on the heels of 9-11 mm. people were like because ah, we yet. weren't quite in the groove of because you remember it was, ca- that was less than six back. months let's see april back to september it was like six months yeah yeah catch your one back like in the wake of September 11th, people weren't watching horror movies. Mm-hmm. They, everyone was like, we want happy shit. We want happy and shit, it, and we want songs about putting boots and asses. Yeah, it wasn't until we were firmly ensconced in the insanity that was Iraq mm-hmm. that we were like, oh, uh, horror movies are okay again. Torture porn <laughs> torture porn it is. Like, yeah, let's see that instead, please. In a hostel and all that shit. So and this came out in that no man's land where people were like, nah. Nah. Nah, so it kind of got forgotten about, which is sad. That's kind of sad. Who's in this it? This movie is directed by okay. and starring mm-hmm. Bill motherfucking Paxton. Oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't he, know he directed, he directed things. this and a movie called The Greatest Game Ever Played, which is a Shia LaBeouf tennis movie. You know him as one of the stars of Aliens, Apollo 13, Twister, the man who sadly passed away in 2017, R.I.P. I love him so much. He's also in, uh, what was that? TV show with all the wives. Oh, Big Love? Big Love, yeah. He's, you know, he got to start as like a set dresser and like doing hair and shit for Roger Corman. Like, really? He's amazing. Like, that's kind of cool. Fucking super love him. Yeah, had a neat life, even if it was uh, cut short. Yeah. But did he die? Was it like cancer or anything? No, he had a heart valve issue and he had an operation and he just didn't wake up from the wake- anesthesia. Oh, 
Like it was a anesthesia. Sometimes that happens, issue. kind of a thing. He's one <clears throat> of the few people that statistically, yeah. when they put him under, never came back, which is insane. I think he did Martin Marin's podcast terrifying. like the day before the surgery or some shit like that. It was oh like my a God. couple days because he talks about it. He's like, yeah, I'm going to have this thing. This is pretty common. Like, da, 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 but I'm a little worried, but you know, they say everything will be fine. And then he fucking died. And then he, oh, fuck, man. Uh, yeah. So, shit. Uh, this movie okay. was written by Brent Henley, which I couldn't find a whole lot else that he's done but bill paxton plays dad meeks in this this dad meeks dad meeks the only two other actors i'm going to highlight before we get into this is matthew mcconaughey okay who plays adam meeks magic matthew mcconaughey plays mud yeah okay dallas buyers club yeah true detective season one like best season you know him from all of those things he's Mm -hmm. matthew mcconaughey Agreed. All right, all right, all right. All right. But it's so weird to be on a foreign podcast and talking about Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. He did excellent in True, in a, was it, not True Blood, the True Detective. Yeah, he was. Season one, and I'd call that a fucking horror story for damn sure. That shit was insane. It was, that's what kicked off the McConaissance that we're living through right now. Uh, the only other actor of note that I want to kind of point out is Powers Booth, who not only has a cool fucking name, he's Wesley Doyle in this he was the main bad guy in Tombstone, mm. and he met and became very good friends with Will Paxton on Tombstone, and they stayed friends all the way. So when Paxton was casting this, he was like, oh, I'm going to cast my friend because I guess he's I'll... a good actor. And Tombstone uh, is one of the very few movies that I've seen, like, over and over again, so I guess I would know him when I see him. I have many movies that I've seen over and over again. <laughs> I... But Harris Booth was in, obviously, in Tombstone. Powers. What a cool name. Powers Sudden Booth. Death, and he's also in Sin City. Nice. So he was Senator Rourke, the heavy, the senator who... Mm, I'll just, I'll know when I see him, I guess. Bruce Willis over, ethically, <laughs> in that movie. This movie came out, like I said, in 2002, Cindy. The world now knows what we were doing, but what was the world doing in what 2002? What was the world doing in 2002? <laughs> the Euros introduced in 2002. Yep. The Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City. Oh, yeah. SARS epidemic. Oh, yeah. Not Because no. we are timely. I'm, like, I'm not calling that an epidemic. This is a fucking epidemic. That well, was SARS was an scare. epidemic. The SARS scare. It just didn't make it to America. That's fair. All right. It, it, went, it ran rampant through like Asia. It just didn't make it over here. Man. The Homeland Security Act was passed. Mm-hmm. Became law in 2002. Mm-hmm. I feel like that. I feel like that is in my timeline. That day is like when Jar Jar Banks Emperor Palpatine gets hands a over all the power to Emperor Palpatine, <laughs> like. Who was the Jar Jar Binks? Was it fucking Mitch McConnell? We've talked about... No, Mitch McConnell is the emperor. Fair. Uh, It was Joe Biden. (laughs) It's goofy and stupid. Yeah, accidentally gave powers over. So there's a Jar Jar Binks, a Joe Biden, and a Matthew McConaughey reference in this episode. Hashtags. Winning. Wow. People that were born in 2002. Oh, God. I'm just going to throw three names at you. Here we go. You're probably going to not know who they are. But for the listeners at home, Finn Wolfhard, Sadie Sink, and Gaten Matarazzo, three of the kids from Stranger Things, were born in 2002. Yeah, so. I'm so old, you guys. <laughs> now, people that died in 2002. Mm, who? Chuck Jones, the oh. animator for Warner yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Billy Wilder, Dudley Moore. Yeah. The British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Okay. And James Coburn, to name a few. Shuffled off this mortal coil in 2002. Yowza. Uh, new words and. Words oh, what were the they? Year. I love Are this. Are you ready part. for this? Yes. <laughs> what was voted 
words of the year were and introduced into our lexicon appropriate were weapons of mass destruction or oh, WMDs. God. Google. Yeah. Google it. Blog. And are you ready? Yeah. Regime change. Regime change. Oh my God. Because that's where we were in 2002. Uh, Booting down doors and bringing freedom around the world, whether you want it or not. <laughs> now it's time of the podcast where Josh shows me an original poster <laughs> of the film, and I try to discern some sort of meaning from it. Okay, I'll be honest with you, Cindy. <laughs> that was not a cut take. The only thing. That was me trying to snap out of it. About this movie, I'm not a huge fan of, mm-hmm. is this poster. It could have been better. What is that? All right, so there's a man's face, and half of it, like Darby Allen, is like painted and flying away. And it looks like the house from Twister, but it's, oh no, it's a barn. And again, it's the red, white, and black. Okay, I'm going to say this is about a kid who goes is going crazy, and his dad tries to help him. And so they just live away from the world in the country somewhere. And it's a dad taking care of his mentally ill son who later kills him. Okay. Interesting premise. Okay. No? Yeah. Okay. It's about a boy who grows up to murder people in his class with a bow and arrow. Oh, God. Josh. (laughs) (sighs) That's not true. That was the hardest movie I've ever seen. (laughs) All right. My prediction for this movie is... I think you'll like this movie a lot. I think your mom, if your mom watches this, <sighs> will super love this movie. This is way more in your mom's wheelhouse than in yours. That being said, not your favorite movie of this month. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Pretty. It's a good time. All right. Uh, you know what? No. no. I lied to you. It's not. This movie's not a good time. This movie's good. Not a good time. Fuck. All right. Here we go. All right. All right. All right. Mind the doors. You the agent in charge of the case? That's right. What can I do for you, man? I'm here because I can't live with what I know anymore. And listen, this may sound a little bit crazy, but I know who the God's Hand Killer is. What makes you think that? He hadn't even heard me out yet, and already you doubt me. They were raised to obey their father. Go to see Homer. To love him. To trust him. Night, boys. Sleep tight. Don't let those bed bugs bite. Until... Wake up. I've got something to tell you. What's wrong? There are demons among us. I can see the demons while other people can. I'm scared, Dad. Nothing that crazy could be real. The angel told me that God would be sending weapons. Maybe you just dreamed it. Maybe you're not right in the head. God will be sending a list of the first seven demons. These are people's names. And they'll look like people. They're not. Dad made up this whole thing. Do you understand? Well, if it has to be done, it has to be done. Is that true? Why would I make it up? It's all a big lie. I don't want to run away. You are hiding something from me. What is it you think I'm hiding? When I lay my hands on them, I'll reveal them for what they truly are. I got a pretty good idea what them bodies are. I'll tell. Craziest thing I've heard in a long time. Ah! Check the Rose Garden. I don't believe a word of it. But it's true. Bill Paxton. Those were demons. Why can't you see that? Matthew McConaughey. Tell me the truth. Sometimes truth defies reason. You're crazy! Only demons should fear me. You're not a demon, are you?
Welcome back to a very special episode of Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death. Did everybody watch Frailty? Yay. Welcome to Father's Day month. This is oh. the month of dads. Hi, dad. <laughs> my dad doesn't listen to this. He doesn't know how podcasts work. I don't know where my dad is, but I bet he doesn't listen to it. What if he did? Um, I don't think he'd listen to the voices in his headset, if you know what I mean. So before we get started recapping the episode, I'm going to go ahead and put this at the top. Before we talk about Cindy's so, dad. This movie is about um, a father who we are led to believe has had a mental break and really starts murdering people and putting his children and getting his children involved in it. And it's about how it kind of... Anyway, that, that's a major part of the movie. So before we kind of get talking about that, um, uh, my dad, uh, my father, was the neighborhood crazy person. So um, every town has one. They're, you know, the guy who walks around mumbling and singing to himself, um, wearing a dirty white undershirt, dress pants, white socks and dress shoes. Um, while walking to the local 7-Eleven to buy two Snickers bars and try to talk in Farsi to the Indian owners. Does anybody else else have that kind of a situation? Because that was my dad. Um, He had has i i am an estranged daughter um so as my i think everyone i is pretty estranged from him but uh growing up a lot of this movie was really hard for me to watch because um my father has some sort of psychotic disorder doesn't matter and he was a different person whenever he'd come home sometimes he'd come home and he would be super funny and we'd be laughing about the craziest things um and sometimes he'd come home and i'd have to be locked in my room because he was in a rage or and it re- you really never knew and and that's kind of where um ptsd comes in play for me because i lived that way for 18 years so it's fine it's whatever but because i am really kind of intimately affected by this particular type of mental disorder aka a father who is looney tunes i i don't know i laughed a little bit about some things i got things i I don't anyway just know this is going to be kind of a difficult conversation it might be a little different than we have before it is what it is i am estranged from him not because of his mental disorder i'm estranged from him because he will not take the medication necessary to fix his mental disorder and um after a while it's kind of a sink or swim situation you know and i spent a lot of time trying very hard to fix him but i'm still in contact with that side of the family they're fine they completely understand they um, were witness to it as well so it's just a very personal thing and this was a movie i did not in any way expect would be like that at all so i can say if you haven't watched the movie i'm going to spoil everything sorry um (laughs) finding out that the older there's a lot of things that play here that i can tell you ring very very true so for example um i have an older sister she is uh, six years older than i am and like because she has a had a memory of probably about eight to ten years before our father um, had a mental breakdown 
things didn't affect her the way they did me. Does that make sense? On top of, you know, we're all different and everybody bruises differently. You, she knew him before he right. snapped. Right. You only knew. Well, yeah. Really um, him the first. After his first. Breakdown. Break. His first break happened when I was like two, which meant that my sister would be eight. Um, and, and I have to, my father was um, voted class clown. He was a goofball. He was everybody's favorite person. He was so funny. I like to think that I get my sense of humor from that side of the family because um, my uncles, his brothers, who, side note, were really awesome fathers, I'm told. I totally have their sense of humor. And so that, you know, my sister does have a foundation of that. I don't. When his first break happened, he became really melancholy. He liked to sleep at the cemetery. He'd be gone for a lot. You know, he was just really... It was because of his mom's Mother death, died, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And he really blamed himself for that. It, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to unpack. But... So anyway, I say that because in this movie, there is another older brother who's a little significantly older. Probably, again, maybe five to six years older, would you say, than the younger brother? Yeah, probably. There, there's a few years of difference. So it really seemed to me like the person who wrote this, it was almost as if it brought a, it brought a sibling dynamic to a movie that was true. So anyway, it it turns out that the older sibling really is not affected by what we find out is God's touch. He really isn't. But because of the trauma of having to watch his father and brother kill people, and then um, at one point he's locked in a basement for a week, because of all that trauma, he ends up becoming a serial killer. I mean, they all are, but he ends up becoming a, a serial killer. And he keeps the bodies close to him. And so anyway, just the idea that it the siblings had the same things happen to them, but they reacted in different ways is really a very true and on point thing. The way that it, I really love the dynamic of kind of following the siblings and the older sibling trying so hard to protect the younger one. And then eventually having to, again, like, okay, for, you know, no, I'm going to the police. Like, no, I'm not, I have to save myself kind of a thing. Totally rings true. Yeah, like that aspect of it was very, very brutally honest. And I loved the portrayal of those two young actors who played um, the brothers when they were younger. I thought that was so phenomenal. Was it Fenton and Andrew? I knew it was like... Fenton is the older boy and Andrew's the younger I am the worst with names, y'all. My students will tell you. Yeah, so that was really interesting. I was so taken back by this movie for a number of reasons. The first is it was nothing like what I expected. I think at the top of the hour I said, you know, serial killer family or something like that. Um, So it definitely didn't expect that. There's also this insane twist at the end where, no, they really are. They are the hand of God, you know, (laughs) like, oh, shit, it was all real. Like... There is that aspect, and anywho. Yeah, so um, quickly for anyone that is weirdly listening to this and didn't watch the movie, it's a father of two kids. He's a mechanic. He comes home and is, like, the greatest dad ever, right? Like, single dad, like, loves his kids. Hey, like, I'm not too great at math, but we'll sit down and we'll we'll do do this together together and we'll figure it out. And then he basically has a vision that God is like, hey, there are demons. I'm going to have you kill them. Right. 
They're, they they look like people, yeah. but when you touch them, you'll see that they're a demon. And then... And the whole movie is basically told as a flashback because mm-hmm. McConaughey is the, is the, the old, adult... Is the brother as an brother, adult, right? The adult older brother. And he shows up at the FBI headquarters and is like, hey, I know who this serial killer is. And he leads Powers Booth back to like this little town in Texas, which is called Thurman, Texas, mm-hmm. which is not a real town. There is a Thurman, West Virginia, it though. Is, but, <laughs> and it um, is a very kind of abandoned small place. I think they place. It in Tyler, Texas. It was based on Tyler, Texas. There's a rose garden there. And the town was like, you could totally shoot this movie here, but please don't call it Tyler, Texas. <laughs> please we don't, don't want a bunch of like us. goth kids showing up in the middle of the night and like trying to dig up a rose garden to see if there's bodies buried that, here. You know what? That is a city council looking um, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> that is a forward-thinking so, township. And then, long story short, you find out that McConaughey's actually not... The older, the older brother. brother. He's the, the younger brother. And he is the hand of God. It's all real. Both him and his dad both really did see demons and mm-hmm. really are getting messages from God. Mm-hmm. But their and older brother's brother. a serial killer. Because he wasn't getting demon. it. And he is a demon himself. And he lures Powers Booth out there to kill him because Powers Booth name, by the way. killed his mom. Like, not mm-hmm. McConaughey's mom. Powers Booth killed his own his mother. His own mother. And nobody knew about it. And he was like head of the FBI and nobody knew. So when McConaughey touched him, he knew... Oh, you know, it's, it's here's the, exactly what you the, did. The twist that he talked about was the idea of you have a father who appears to be going batshit crazy. Right. And, you know, like, God, And you are to totally me. on the elder, the elder brother's side. Go to the cops. Yeah. Go report this. Why is no and one And then you find out that it's real. Basically, God showed up and was like, hey, man, I need you to sort this out for me. So even though he's killing people... It's justified in the context of the movie. I don't know. If if you're a religious person, it is. I don't know. This movie asks a lot of questions like that. uh, We'll 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 get into religion in a minute. But (laughs) I wanted to tell you that this movie is based kind of on two things, Cindy. Okay. Uh, It's loosely based on an American serial serial killer named Joseph Kellinger, or Kellinger. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. He murdered three people and tortured a couple families. Oh, my God. Uh, he did these crimes with his 13-year-old son, Michael, in 1974 through 1975 in New Jersey. Okay. <laughs> when they finally caught him, he said that God had told him to do these things, and he was just following the will of God. That reminds me a little bit. Do you remember um, in the early 2000s, the sniper in D.C.? Mm-hmm. And belly, it, it was a father sniper? and son, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, or is that it a stepfather I, I and son? I don't remember that, but I remember the Beltway sniper thing being a big thing. I know it was an adult and a teenager. And I, I think it was either father and son or stepfather and son. But that reminds me of that. Yeah. So there's already a precedent there, isn't there, mm-hmm. of a, fa- a kid wanting to do what his dad would do. A kid, you know, a son wanting to be like their dad, trusting their dad, sort of a thing. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other thing this movie's kind of the screenplay's based on is a movie called Night of the Hunter, from 1955 it is the best movie shot inside the great state of west virginia in which we reside uh, <laughs> i've never heard of it is directed by the Have actor I? charles lawton it's the only film he ever directed it is a noir masterpiece it was shot around moundsville west virginia okay oh but it's up near you yeah so two two really interesting good movies well i won't say fool's gold is super good but there's a movie called fool's gold that was shot in moundsville as well with Jimmy Stewart and a super young Kurt Russell 
So there Theory. you go. The, Two yeah. really good and movies we, shot once And again. we have touched on Kurt Russell again. Uh, welcome. Uh, okay. But yeah, so this movie's based on that, and it's about a preacher who talks to God and terrorizes a family, and it's a solidly good, it's an incredibly well-shot movie. Using religion as your excuse for behavior is such a stick a, a slippery slope isn't it like it just gets you out of anything oh i was doing it for god and then although i'm doing it to be well i think what's terrifying is you obviously you'll get people that are like you know well god said i should do this or mm-hmm. god said i should I do that like how many people in our society say god talks to them yeah right like i mean football yeah. players say god talks to me before i go out in the field i mean it's like a common thing that we all just, you know, oh, well, God talks to all of us if we listen. But there is a certain type of person, like the serial killer and the main character in uh, Night of the Hunter. And, and there are real life people who have visions. Mm-hmm. And who hear voices for real. That say, do this horrible thing mm-hmm. for me. Right? I mean... That's a... Uh... What the hell? Hel- is that Helter Skelter? What is that? Uh, no, Son of Sam. Yeah, Son, son of Sam. Dog. Yeah, it was a dog. Yeah, it was a dog. Was like go out and kill. Every right. time he would bark, he would hear like, commands to go kill people. Like, and schizophrenia is a real disease. I mean, and they do. They genuinely hear these voices, one hundred percent. And and then there's no rhyme or reason again because we really don't know the the brain too too well. Where a perfectly average schizophrenic who's been taking medication for years suddenly a voice will come and say don't take your medicine it's poison it's poison you know and then oh okay time for medication change but first you find them naked on the roof you know what i mean like i've I've known a few people with schizophrenia and usually what happens is they hit a patch where they're fine for so long mm -hmm. that they start to say in their head i don't need my meds i think i'm over this i think i'm good yeah. And then they, they inevitably always have that conversation where they're like, I think I'm just going to like wean back on my meds. And then a month later, two months later, they're yeah, back to, in the hospital or whatever. Yeah. So this whole movie, you think that's what you're dealing with. You think you're talking, you know, you're rooting for this older son who's trying to turn into the police or trying to have people notice that his father's this serial killer. And it isn't until the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie that you find out, oh no, he's the serial killer, like in real time, because he's had this traumatic childhood. His brother and his dad uh, actually were, you know, getting visions and could tell the future and yep. knew what was happening. And So ugh. in the movie, in the flashbacks, Bill Paxton will get a list mm-hmm. in his head from God, and he'll go to that person, and no matter when they snatch them up, they get that guy in the... Uh, out in front of the store, right? In broad daylight. God will obscure and we'll be fine. We won't be caught. And his thing is, he has a pair... God gave him three things. There's a pair of gloves so he can handle them and then when he takes them off and touches them, they... He can... They'll reveal themselves to be demons. And then there's a lead pipe. To knock them out. And then there's an axe with the name Otis on it Mm -hmm. that he can use to dispatch them to kill the demons. And and there is a lot Hot. Oh my of gosh! Talk about the axe in this movie. Yeah, and like where the name Otis came from. Mm-hmm. There's like I've read three different things that said the name Otis came from this. Uh, there's a theory that it's 
Paxton's character's name because he they never say his name. He's just dad. Yeah. They just call him dad. So there's the you know the first theory is that it's a God's weapon and putting a name on it. Bill Paxton wanted to put a name on the axe because he felt like it would make it an heirloom and a character of itself in the movie. So the first theory is that it's his name. He finds okay. an axe with his name on it. And the second theory is Otis stands for only the innocent survive. That would work. So that's the second theory. Why not both? What if his name is Otis and it ends up standing for only yeah. the... And the third one is less of a theory and more of a story that Bill Paxton, when he was in L.A., he was in Pasadena, and he offered money to like a homeless person. And they were talking and the guy was like, I don't really like charity. I appreciate the help. But he was trying to do a... I guess, like, clean his window or whatever. Yeah. And Bill Paxton was like, I'll tell you what, how about instead of just giving you money, I'm buying your name to use in the movie. Oh, okay. Who knows? Fortunately, Bill Paxton's longer with us to clarify. And but... we will never know. And he did, this is Bill Paxton's first movie, and he did structure it to reward multiple viewings. Not his first, this is first his directing. His first directing. And, his first. And his last. No, he did uh, For Love of the Game. Oh, I thought he passed yeah. away before. No, he did, uh, he directed a second movie and it's, I think some TV. Well, but never mind. He Ignore structured me. this to be a movie that rewards multiple viewings. Yeah. Like, There's a lot to be seen and unpacked and a lot of times you're kind of covering your eyes when something small is happening. Like I didn't even notice the Otis thing. Oh, no, I did, but then I kind of forgot about it because when he uses it, it's pretty brutal. This movie, I don't think at all. I don't. I think we can kind of bypass the Arkov formula for this. It doesn't fit into it. This is a movie totally on its own. This is a horror movie. It's a thriller. I think it, 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 it's, it's a religious movie. Thriller. It's a religious movie. Religious horror. Yeah. Thriller. Yeah. The th- okay, this is why I think this movie is scary. I think it's a well-structured thriller. You'll never win against someone when they think they're fighting for God. Well, there's that. And <laughs> I mean, that's and just... Let's go down that road for a second. This movie start was being shot in 2000 and came out uh, not long after 9-11. When we essentially why. went to an ideological war, this movie was a little bit ahead of that curve, right? Right. Because when they were shooting it, 9-11 hadn't happened yet. And then after 9-11, I remember being in Morgantown when 9-11 happened. And after the shock of what had happened that morning kind of wore off in the afternoon, the people of Morgantown went down to their Indian restaurant and hurled rocks through the window. Oh, that's nice. Because Because they're insane. They were brown people, right? Like suddenly there was this... I'm not saying there was no such thing as racism towards Middle Eastern people and like but it, it went on before. the rise. But suddenly it was like, that person's my enemy. And it drew this big line in the sand between... Us and them. Yeah, Christianity and Islam. And it's a fight that we're still, in a lot of ways, fighting today. We're, I mean, we're still in Iraq and Afghanistan. It won't, yeah. So... And we've lost more people to COVID I than... Mean, there's gosh. This, there's this thing of fanaticism of Mm -hmm. if you honestly believe god is directing you you will chop people up with an axe yeah you will fly you will plane into a into a building you will send your children off to a crusade to be sold into slavery because you think god will protect them the children's crusade that 100 percent happened 
You know, the Crusades is where chemical warfare was invented. Uh, the salting of the earth thing. No, the during the plague, uh, the Christian armies would take plague bodies and launch them into Muslim cities, hoping that it would spread, and it did. Oh my god! <laughs> they would put them I thought you were talking about they how they would, would put, pour salt all over the ground so nothing could grow. That's a that's a Roman thing. No, uh, during the Crusades, the Christian warriors, when the plague hit, they would take the plague bodies that died of the plague, and put them on catapults and throw them into the city because that's what god wants yeah, yeah. The, the last crusade was called the children's crusade because there weren't enough people to go and the holy roman empire did, oh, and you know the pope decided no you have to and so they were children between like seven and 19 maybe no not 19 because i would have been an adult but anywho so they were sent on ships and the muslims were like we're not gonna fight these kids <laughs> they just sold them into slavery just i want you to think about this for thinking a second let's look for the sake of argument Let's all agree for a minute that there is a God that created everything, mm-hmm. right? Everything. every From every grain of sand on the beach to every galaxy and solar system. So you're saying which is there's... theoretically okay. infinite. Omniscient, yeah. There is one thing that created all of that. Could you imagine being a human being and going, that thing that created everything... It speaks specifically to me, and I know what it wants me to do. And it's picked me out of everything in the universe to do a special job. That's crazy. Well, but it's in the religious texts that there's a precedent that that happens. Exactly. Judaism and Islam and Christianity all begin with the same stories. That, you know, up until Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son, all the, not all, the monotheistic religions, they're all the same. They all <laughs> And that's it's not until that split. That that part of the Bible with Abraham mirrors this movie in a lot of ways, right? Like having the two sons. Yeah. And like he thinks he has to sacrifice, like God told me that you're a demon and I you know, I'm afraid of you and Oh yeah. And what he ends up doing is instead of sacrificing him, he makes him dig that root cellar and then Locks him in locks it, him in it yeah. for a, like a week or more. That's just more than a week. He checks on him after a week and then locks him in there for longer Yeah, with nothing except for a glass of water once a day. And I will say, not to tell tales outside of school, that is one of the hardest scenes I've ever sat through for this podcast with you. Watching <laughs> that happen. Watching yeah. him. And Paxton said that was, he was intensely uncomfortable shooting that scene. Of him having to carry that kid down in that cellar and like lock him down there and hear him like screaming. He was like, I, me as a person, did not like doing that. Yeah, uh, without getting into details, I mean, there, yeah, I had some experience with that. It, it was, it was very, again, it was shocking. It was, that's why I put a content warning at the beginning of this episode because I was not ready for that. But again, I don't think there's a way you can be ready for like, hey, this horrific thing that you kind of remember, we're going to talk about it on a movie. Like, oh, okay. Going back to, we were talking about what makes this movie, which is essentially structured like a thriller, also a horror movie. Mm -hmm. And why I think it's an effective horror movie, even though it doesn't quite fit the Arcot formula, which is this movie does something that movies that fucked me up as a kid did. 
right? And that's like too... invaders from Mars, an invasion of the body snatchers, which is take away all the religious stuff that we've been talking about and the idea of like religious horror. Yeah. But this movie is about parental terrorism. This is a movie about a child having to choose between parental loyalty and their own identity. Yeah. And the idea of like, I think everyone has a moment and we don't realize we've had it or maybe not even know the exact moment, but I think every kid has a moment where they realize that their parents not right all the time when we're little, right? Like our parents. I, I can't really speak to that. <laughs> our parents, like especially me growing up. There is, I have never, there has never been a moment in my life that I did not know something was wrong. Like I have journals from when I was little and cause I'm not writing in cursive yet. And like, I would just write like, I just want to go home. I just want to go home because I knew this wasn't right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, that is so I will. Sure. Okay. <laughs> but I'm willing to bet that if we talk to normal. your sister, Oh yeah. There was definitely a point mm-hmm. where she was like, you know, the world is fine. My parents are infallible. And then there's a moment where you challenge your parents on something. And it could be something simple, right. like a you know a political statement or so, your, your parents say something and you're like, wait a minute, that's not right. That was the wrong thing to say, yeah. Right? Like, or why are you, I think you're wrong here. Everyone has that moment. And usually it's over something small. Your dad says something that's like offhanded, sexist or whatever. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not very cool. But the idea of clearly at the beginning of this movie, they are living in their perfect world, Mm -hmm. right? They don't have a mom. We don't know why. Dad works all day, comes home, is like doing his best. Terrific dad. They're making the best out of their situation. They seem to be all happy. And then one day their dad comes home and goes, hey, Wakes him up in the middle of the night. We're going to be killing people. Hey, uh, God told me we have to kill a bunch of people. But don't worry. They're not people. They're demons. And we got to get ready for like the end times. Like that, your whole world would shatter around you. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's why there's such a different dynamic of like the older, the Fenton, the older kid has more of a cushion of this is not normal. Like my dad does not do this. And then the younger kid is like, okay, sure, Dad. Yeah, he just goes along with it. Yeah. (sighs) This is heavy. Tell me about Noteworthy and Mentionables. This movie win any awards or anything like that? Like, it was a really, it was a decent movie. I can see why it wasn't really popular because of the timing of when it came out and its subject matter just in general is pretty shocking. Paxton said 25 plus people walked out of the test screening for this movie. There it is. Oh, I will say this real fast. Mm -hmm. James Cameron is the one who was like, don't show the demon shit until the end of the movie. Yeah, say that is kind of a... Let him... Because Paxton had played with the idea of maybe we should let people think that, like, holy shit, like, he's crazy. And at the end of the movie, you're like, oh. It's real. It's it's real. And Cameron was like, go with that. Yeah, Cameron was like, yeah, we should really lean into that. Oh, they leaned into and, it. And I think that that's why this movie works. I just, the thing I don't understand about this movie, Cindy, is. Is. Why it's not better regarded, why people don't. It, when people I think make it's just the timing like that it came out. Movies, 
I think just, just the timing of when it came out, people weren't ready to see it. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, and you look at like the thing, John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Mm-hmm. It came out in no one saw it. It got smoked by ET, who had been, which had been in theaters for months at that point. But people have gone back and done this appraisal, and now we all talk about John Carpenter's thing is like it's a masterpiece. Well, and it is maybe. But like, this podcast will kick off a revolution. Why do we not talk and about? Frailty? Suddenly, everyone's going to want to talk about frailty. It's just, and it will be shown yeah. and discussed in classes. I mean, who knows? It's, it's to me, it's so weird that people don't appreciate this movie. This movie has a cult following, but it's not bigger. It doesn't than get talked about. It doesn't make thought. lists. People. I mean, hmm. so what are we watching next week? Are you going to tell me? We are going to do Stepfather Two. <gasps> I know Stepfather Two. I know that movie. That okay. I'll save it for the podcast. I know, but I know, I, I know that movie. I haven't seen that movie, but I know that movie. <laughs> okay, I feel better now, knowing that I have my sweet, sweet Jonathan Brandis looking to look forward to. I'll be okay. Okay, all right. Well, until next week. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. Begin the revolution.